You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Jim. Stay with us after today's podcast for an exclusive preview of my audiobook. If a storm brings heavy rainfall and flooding, it's usually bad news for humans, but for fish, it's more a matter of going with the flow. I'm Jim Mitzner, and this is the Pulse of the Planet. In flooding events, we do find that the distribution of fish changes in the river. The more freshwater species are found throughout the Hudson, uh, even in sections that are normally high in salt content. Bob Adams is an environmental analyst with the Hudson River Estuary Program. In an estuary like the Hudson, as you move from the mouth of the river where it meets the ocean upstream into fresher waters, there's a gradual decrease in salt content. And there's a certain point in the river where salt water stops and fresh water begins, and that's considered the salt front. And that can change seasonally based on the amount of water coming in, the amount of flow. So during a tropical storm or a flooding event, that salt front is moved downstream as there's a lot of fresh water coming into the river and downstream towards the ocean. And moving along with that are the species that like to live in those saltier waters. And we have a couple of species in the Hudson that definitely do that when they're young. One is the striped bass. If I were a fish during a flooding event, I would try to get in slower moving water and hopefully find areas where conditions are suitable, not areas of low oxygen content. And one positive of the flooding is that there's a lot of material that comes from upland in leaves and trees and other plant material that comes into the river, which is broken down by a lot of the little organisms that serve as food for a lot of the species that we're catching out here. We're finding fish that, despite all of the flooding, seem to be eating pretty well. Pulse of the Planet is made possible by the National Science Foundation. I'm Jim Metzner. As promised, here's an excerpt from Sacred Mounds, my first novel, a work of historical fiction and magical realism. Heading east now, towards the dawn. The trees thinned. On the horizon, the silhouette of a long hill appeared, its shape suggesting that it had been honed by men, like a giant flint-napped spearhead. And as they approached, the scale of the earthwork became more apparent. Thirty feet high, Lewis figured, maybe two football fields in length. They must be near the White Apple Village. Drawing closer, There was something vaguely organic about the mound, as if a hive queen had stung the earth and this massive lump had sprung from the ground to be carved and cultivated by a horde of workers. It seemed incomplete, a foundation waiting for a building, a a petroglyph ready for the sun to slant in a particular direction on a specific day, revealing hidden scripture. The mound was a blank canvas, an empty stage beckoning for players to be more alive on it than they are.
in life. Mount this hill if you are worthy of being here. Closer still, the shadowy outline turned brown-green in the half-light of morning. Lewis heard the faintest of rustles nearby. Then two lines of men emerged from the woods on either side of the path. Grey Turtle stopped and raised his hands. A ring of warriors armed with bows, arrows, and spears surrounded them. Thanks for listening. To order Sacred Mounds in print or audio, visit sacredmoundsnovel.com. That's sacredmoundsnovel.com.